0: Hi, I'm Diane Hullett with Best Life, Best Death. And today I wanna follow up on something that I talked about last week. I read a piece from The Art of Dying Well, and I referenced the book, Being Mortal. But as I thought about it between last week and this week, I really felt like there was a section of being mortal that I wanted to go back to. Because what I'm laying out here in these first few podcasts is really this idea of what do we get out of having these discussions about end of life? whether we are in fact terminal, whether we know that our death is imminent or whether we just have a sense that it might be useful to discuss such matters, either with friends or with family, with a partner, with our children. Why is this worth doing? As I posed last week, why talk about this stuff? I'm sitting outside and there are some construction sounds and occasional bird calls and my dogs are shaking their collars here and there. So you may hear some background noise, But it's such a lovely day. I just felt I had to be outside. So I'm going to read a piece from the book Being Mortal by Atul Gawande. And this is a section in which he talks about a town called La Crosse, Wisconsin. He says Consider the case of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Its elderly residents have unusually low end of life hospital costs. During their last six months, according to Medicare data, They spend half as many days in the hospital as the national average, and there's no sign that doctors or patients are halting care prematurely. Despite average rates of obesity and smoking, their life expectancy outpaces the national mean by a year. I spoke to Gregory Thompson, a critical care specialist at Gunderson Lutheran Hospital, while he was on ICU duty one evening, and he ran through his list of patients with me. In most respects, the patients were like those found in any ICU, terribly sick and living through the most perilous days of their lives. There was a young woman with multiple organ failure from a devastating case of pneumonia, a man in his mid-60s with a ruptured colon that had caused a rampaging infection and a heart attack. Yet these patients were completely different from those in the ICUs that I had worked in. None had a terminal disease. None battled the final stages of cancer or untreatable heart failure or dementia. To understand the town of La Crosse, Thompson said, you had to go back to 1991 when local medical leaders headed a systematic campaign to get medical people and patients to discuss end of life wishes. Within a few years, it became routine for all patients admitted to a hospital, nursing home, or assisted living facility to sit down with someone experienced in these conversations and complete a multiple choice form that boiled down to four crucial questions. At this moment in your life, the form asked, number one, do you want to be resuscitated if your heart stops? Number two, do you want aggressive treatments such as intubation and medical ventilation? Number three, do you want antibiotics? Number four, do you want tube or intravenous feeding if you can't eat on your own? By 1996, 85% of La Crosse residents who died had a written advance directive like this, up from 15%, and doctors virtually always knew of the instructions and followed them. Having this system in place, Thompson said, has made his job vastly easier but it's not because the specifics are spelled out for him every time a sick patient arrives in his unit. These things are not laid out in stone, he told me. Whatever the yes, no answers, people may put on a piece of paper. One will find nuances and complexities in what they mean. But, he went on to say, instead of having the discussion when they get to the ICU, We find that many times this conversation has already taken place. Answers to the list of questions change as patients go from entering the hospital for the delivery of a child to entering for complications of Alzheimer's disease. But in lacrosse, the system means that people are far more likely to have talked about what they want and what they don't want before they and their relatives find themselves in the throes of crisis and fear. When wishes aren't clear, Thompson said, quote, families have also become much more receptive to having the discussion, end quote. The discussion, not the list, was what mattered most. Discussion had brought La end of life costs down to half the national average. It was that simple and that complicated. So again, I've just read, um, starting on page 178 of the book, Being Mortal. And on the page before that, um, the author has a great line. He says, you know, if end-of-life discussions were an experimental drug, the FDA would approve it. So i wanted to go back to that after what I had said about The Art of Dying Well last week, because I think that Being Mortal is another book that really can open up your thinking about these matters and about whether you want to have these kinds of conversations. I just started a best three months class this week, and it's um, got nine people in it, one of whom has said that she is quite ill. Um, The others seem to be healthy as far as I know so far, and um, they are very curious and very interested in what they can learn by having conversations about the end of life and mortality. So I'm Diane. You can follow me on Facebook. I'm just working on a new Pinterest account that I think will be fun. And also Instagram, bestlifebestdeath.com is my website. Have a wonderful day.